Welcome to Hawk Talk for our latest edition. And this week, we're very lucky to have Nicole Garner of uh, the Geelong Cats AFLW team joining us uh, for a chat. I've got Lindsay here as well. Yeah, hi, Nick. And uh, yeah, so Nicole, who's a local or lives locally, but a country girl, and will tell us more about that. Thanks very much for joining us. And before we get started uh, into some question, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you are now? Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Nick. And thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for the invite. It's nice to be here with, uh, with the Hawks. I'm Nicole Garner. So I'm, um, I'm 28 and I live, uh, I live here uh, at Waverley Park. I've got a really nice view overlooking the, uh, the Oval. So I'm very fortunate. I am from, from Gippsland, from the country, a small town called Sale. Um, and I moved down to Melbourne um, early last year to pursue my dream of um, playing AFLW football, um, which I was fortunate enough to um, be drafted to the Cats um, in October last year to, um, to play in the 2019-2020 season. So that was ex- uh, extremely exciting and I'm, I'm really fortunate that sort of my dream become a reality and um, the move from the country to the big smoke was uh, was worth it. I am really active and I love um, being out and about so I'm finding it really hard at the moment um, as I'm sure most of you are with um, these restrictions but I'm looking forward to um, some form of normality and being able to get out and about but um, that's a little bit about me. Fantastic. Um, just out of that though, uh, you said that you only moved, you moved last year, did you? I did. I moved in um, February last year. Yeah. Yeah. However, you obviously, before you played with the Cats, you had a season with the Casey Demons. Were you living in Sale when you, were you making the round trip regularly for that? Yeah, I was. So uh, working full time in local government and I was driving up to Cranbourne, Casey Fields, uh, three days a week and then for game days as well. So a very big commitment, something that I found really challenging both physically and mentally. I was exhausted all the time, probably burning the candles at both ends. But I, I did really enjoy that. And I really enjoyed my time, my opportunity at uh, Casey Demons. And it's ultimately got me to where, where I'm at today. So very lucky, very fortunate. But I'm also happy to have um, made the decision to move closer to um, Melbourne to be able to be more involved in, in the football clubs that I'm part of. So it, it was a two-hour one-way trip so I would leave work at sort of 3.30 to be at training by 5.30 and we'd train from 6 till I think we were usually off the track by 8.30 and um, doing our recovery in the ice baths and then dinner at 9.30 and then back on the road Um, and I was usually home by sort of 11.30, 12 o'clock and back to work at 7am the next morning so I was pretty happy to see the tail end of that that routine that's for sure. Yeah that's a serious commitment for the kids out there that's what you that's what you need to do is put in a fair bit of work obviously if you want to make it to the big time <laughs> absolutely and you still you still got a fairly lengthy travel time to Geelong from Waverley Park too so you're still still fairly committed in terms of traveling it's no mean feat yeah I was um I was happy to be sort of 30 minutes from Casey Fields and then um obviously extremely excited to be drafted to Geelong but also a little bit apprehensive with uh, having to do that hour and a half drive again so I don't know, I've um, been lucky enough to be recontracted with them this year and I'm possibly looking at um, alternatives um, to move a little bit closer to Geelong just to make it a bit easier on myself. Now, you haven't always been a footballer. When did you actually start footy? And tell us more about, uh, I want to hear more about 
uh, life as a baseballer. Yeah, sure. You've, um, you've done your research. I uh, haven't always been a footballer, so I played baseball um, from a very young age, which is a, a bit of a different sport, um, but it's actually quite popular around Victoria and, and certainly in Melbourne. Uh, my brother played um, and growing up, I was eight, eight years younger than him and it was sort of either I could sit on the sidelines and watch him play or I could join in. So um, I made the decision to join in and started playing as a, I think I was an eight-year-old in the under 10s sort of boys team virtually. Uh, I was the only girl in, in the competition down in the, the Latrobe Valley. So um, we played sort of Sale, Moe, Moore, Trow and Churchill those teams so uh, and I didn't really stop playing until I was 24 um, had the opportunity to play in some representative sides um, as a junior and as a senior when I was 16 um, I was looking for a bit more of a challenge and um, had the opportunity to play um, for Springvale women's um, baseball team in a, in a women's only competition down here in Melbourne which is quite a high level competition some really good baseball so that was uh, division one open women's competition um, so once again I was making the drive from sale to Springvale um, it was just one night a week and then game days on a Saturday so I have an extremely supportive parents um, and a dad who was um, willing to to drive me down I didn't have my license um, so thank you dad if you're listening and yeah um, lucky enough to play with Springvale for I think five or six years and once again some representative sides and um, played a little bit of baseball over in Canada um, in an Australian um, squad uh, so it wasn't the Australian team it was sort of like the squad just under the Australian team um, we went over and played uh, warm-up practice matches against um, uh, the US, Netherlands, Canada, Australia um, as warm-up games for their um, national um, uh, women's national um, championships so oh sorry the women's world cup um, so that was, um, that was yeah, a really good time in my life. Um, but I'm happy now to have made the switch over to, to football, something a little bit different. Yeah. Was, was there any further you could go with your baseball? Or had you, like, could you have made a career out of that, I suppose, is what I'm asking? Or is that about where it would have to stop? No, that, there's no um, professional career available. I think over in Japan, there's a professional league um, where they are um, paid players, so they are professionals. But that's quite a niche um, industry. There's not, not a lot of opportunities there. So um, certainly here in Australia, um, there's, there's no opportunity to go professional at this stage. You can obviously represent Australia um, at the World Cup every two years, um, but it's, it's not a paid position. Um, you're actually paying to play. So um, whilst it's obviously um, an amazing opportunity to do that and to represent your country and anybody would be lucky to do that, I, um, th there is sort of no further you can go. And it wasn't the reason that I, I stopped playing. I had always wanted to play football and finally got the opportunity to, so I, I made the switch. So, so how did you go about making that switch? Yeah, so um, I was living in Gippsland in the t at the time and there was, there was no women's football for me as a, as a junior or as, a, um, and as, a, as, a, um, as an adult. 
uh, until 2016 and I realised there was a Gippsland-based team that had just started up the year prior. So I was a little bit late to the party. But as soon as I found out, I jumped on board um, and I was part of a, the Gippsland Galaxy um, team based out of Tarelgan, um, where we trained and we played um, Melbourne teams in, uh, it was Division 3 at the time and we were working our way up through through the ranks um, as a new club to the, to the league. So in my first season of football, we won every game by 100 points. Um, and then as the story usually goes, we nearly lost the grand final. We only won by, I think, two goals. So it's a pretty standard tale. And then I was, uh, once again, um, I absolutely loved it. Um, as I've sort of said, it was something that I had always wanted to do. I had always wanted to play football and I was always kicking the football in the backyard with my best friends growing up and that, that kind of thing. So I kind of was a duck to water when I did get to play and I was looking to to challenge myself pretty quickly. So I only played the one season with Galaxy and then uh, went on to, to play VFL football at Cranbourne and then Casey Demons. Are there any, any skills or, or aspects of baseball that you brought across into your football career? Like baseball is a lot different to football. It's like cricket. It's an individual sport within a like a team environment. 100%. The skills of baseball are not going to transfer to football, but are, is there any aspects of baseball that you brought across to football at all? Yeah, it's not a natural progression, that's for sure, but there, there are some. Your hand-eye coordination, um, being able to, you know, obviously catch the ball and react to the ball off the bat um, or off the foot if it's a football. Um, so just being able to anticipate and read the flight of the ball in the air as well. Um, it transfers across, obviously, different shape and it's coming from a different direction. But um, I think like any sport, there's there's just skills that, that transfer over. I think if you're... Um, if you're practicing and 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 looking to develop yourself as a footballer looking down alternative routes um as as sort of opportunities to to get different skills i think you look at some of the best footballers um you know scott pendlebury he was um a fantastic basketballer and could have made a professional career out of basketball and yes the skills are more transferable across those um those sports but um i think it, it's pretty obvious that your best players are um you know have a breadth of um experience in in sports and no doubt there's some skills that have um held, held me in good steam once i've started playing football are there other sports that you did, not necessarily competitively, but yeah, are you someone who can sort of pick up any bat ball or whatever it is and, and take to it okay? Luckily I am, yeah. So um, soccer, uh, outdoor and indoor soccer, um, I had an opportunity to play a little bit of cricket. It didn't interest me as much as as baseball did, um, so I didn't pursue that, that too much. Um, I think... You know, without being overly confident, the only thing I really wasn't good at is um, anything to do with the snow. So skiing or snowboarding, I ended up just in tears at the bottom of the slope. So if I can stay away from the the ice skating or ice hockey or snowboarding, um, then I'm usually not too bad. Finally found something you weren't good at and you fell to tears. Is that what you're saying? Or? I did. I just, uh, I crumbled. <laughs> I went to the chateau for a hot chocolate. So it was terrible. <laughs> Uh, very good. That's a good part. One of the best parts of the snow, I reckon, in the shadow with a hot chocolate. That's where I'll stay. Yep. Yeah. Does that mean that you have, uh, or just tell us about how, what the process has been for you picking up game sense and how you read the play and in footy and um, yeah, how's that transition gone for you? 
Um, I was obviously very passionate about the sport and something I've watched on TV for, um, you know, my whole life growing up being a, a Richmond supporter and um, from a family that, you know, loves football but never played it and they were never around a footy club either. So I didn't have a really intimate knowledge of, of the game other than sort of watching it on TV. Um, so I did um, sort of just was like a sponge when I did start. I felt like a bit of a kid. I just listened. I was at the front of the pack for every um, every conversation that the coach was was having with us. And um, I just took on every bit of advice I could get. Um, I was lucky to play a lot of football in my first um, season. Got the opportunity to play in like an Anzac Day representative match in my first season, which was um fantastic um i was invited to the afl academy vic program at the end of my first season so i sort of had like a uninterrupted 18 months of just football through winter and summer so um lots and lots of football training um as many games as i could um and through that time on on the track and on the field um my game sense just evolved so I was probably pretty raw when I first started and I probably ran in the wrong direction a lot of the time. Um, and then I just, the more you, the more you practice, the more it's, you know, it is a bit of a cliche, but the more you do it, the more comfortable and familiar you get with, you know, being able to anticipate, read the play, sense when you're under pressure, when you've got a little bit more time. Um, it's just something that really evolved and I was lucky um, to have a lot of opportunities in my first um, really two seasons of football um, to just have a lot of time to practice and, and play. Would you say then for kids at home, boy or girl, watches, watching lots of football is really important when they're growing up? I think if you enjoy watching football, then by all means watch football. I've, I really enjoy it. Um, and I've, um, I'm sad to see the end of the 20 days of football because I've got to wait until Friday to watch another game. So um, if you enjoy watching it, I think by all means, um, it was just something that my family did on a Friday night. We would have pizzas and watch the football. So I really enjoyed it. I think when I watch the football now, I, um, it's probably coming from a different perspective. I'm not just a, a, a spectator watching a game. I'm, I'm analysing. Um, so I play um, or my preferred position is in the midfield or on the wing. So I will watch some of those better players, um, your Mitch Duncan or your Scott Pendlebury or players that you aspire to be like and just watch, um, you know, at a centre bounce, where are they? How are they set up? What are they doing with their opponent? You know, you don't have to be doing that for the whole time you're watching the game. Um, you can enjoy it as well. You should enjoy it. Um, but I definitely watch with a bit more of a focus now um, than I did when, when I wasn't playing football. And that's something that's instilled on me from some coaches as well. So when I go to a game, you know, pay attention to the players you, you aspire to play like and just what are the little things that they're doing off the ball, around the ball, um, at centre bounces and those kinds of things, yeah. So who, who are the sort of players that inspire you? I know you've mentioned some like Scott Pendlebury and, and so forth, but what about in the, the women's league? Who are, the, who are the ones that you keep an eye on? Yeah, there's, um, there's a few. So when I was involved um, at Casey Demons and they're affiliated with Melbourne, um, probably like your Karen Paxman. So um, not, not like a, a huge name, someone you might, might be aware of. Um, just a really um, a gut runner. Um, she is at every, every stoppage. She's quick, 
and just goes and goes all day. I think she averages like two minutes on the bench every game. Um, other than that, she, she's on the field, which is phenomenal. Um, and when she does what does get the ball, her possessions are clean, precise, good good user of the ball. Uh, so, so those kinds of players. Um, you've obviously got your Aaron Phillips, who's just, you know, can do it all, um, your ultimate professional. So I aspire to be, you know, to have that level of um, commitment, professionalism in the way I um, prepare, play, recover, review the game and those kinds of things. Um, as you sort of your Aaron Phillips, who have been been around those professional sporting environments for quite some time. Um, but then you also don't have to look too far um, from home for me at Geelong and just looking at some of the youth that's coming through, um, Liv Purcell and Nina Morrison, Maddie Presparkis, so just big, big youthful names who um, have been involved in football and the pathways that are available now um, for since, since a junior. And they're a genuine footballer. They're not a, um, you know, another athlete turned football, turned footballer. They are a, a genuine football. So um, I learn as much from them as they learn from me as a, as a sort of a senior around the club. I've obviously seen you train in the gym firsthand, Nick, um, not just at Waverley Park, but Lindsay, uh, Nick's also come and done some sessions here with me uh, in the earlier iterations of the, of the lockdown, some strength stuff. So I know that you have a, a, you know, pretty fierce appetite for your training. Is that more now because you're a professional athlete or has that always been the way and has, and that's been something that's contributed to where you are now? It's always been the way. Um, there's more of an incentive and a motivation to be doing it now and to be um, maintaining the best physical condition that I can do. But I've always been motivated to, to do that. I joined um, a teen gym program when I was 16 back home um, and started going, doing, I think it's sort of 30 minutes of, of some strength, um, lightweight type stuff as a, as a young teenager. Um, when I was 18, I um, left school and did a traineeship at the pool and gym um, in sport and recreation. So um, I've always been around that environment um, and I'm, I'm really motivated to be in the gym um doing strength work and that and that kind of thing as well as your your running and your cardio type stuff outside of the gym as well so i really enjoy it and it's yeah it's not something i've um lacked motivation in that area but um i guess once once you're on an elite or part of an elite program there's the expectation there that you are you know um doing everything everything that you can outside of training to prepare your body as best as possible. How does that tie in then with your day job? Tell us what your day job is and how you manage to work around that with you, with those training demands and, and your own additional demands that you place on yourself with the work that you do outside of the fit, the footy club program. Yeah. Um, so I do work full time. I'm with the Victoria police um, at the Academy in Glen Waverley. So lucky enough, I'm sort of 10 minutes down the road to work. It looks a bit, little bit different these days with, um, with our stage four restrictions. So I'm working from home a lot, but um, my day job is uh, I work in 
this is pretty boring for the listeners, um, immersive and simulation training. So we put our um, sort of sergeants and senior sergeants through uh, immersive um, exercises um, to develop their skills in a, in a safe environment. So um, I get to be pretty creative and develop exercises for police officers, which is exciting. But yeah, um, it is, so 7am I start and I'm usually done by four o'clock. So it leaves quite a bit of time um, in the afternoon um, to be working on my football training or, or in the gym or getting down to Geelong um, when I need to. So yeah, that is a nine, nine to five, Monday to Friday. And there's, there is um, sort of plenty of time if, if I can um, prioritise things uh, correctly outside of work. I'm just moving back to football. 2020 was probably set to be a big year for you in terms of making your debut at AFLW level, et cetera. How frustrated have you been by the COVID virus and, and, and the lockdown and the, and, the, and the potential cancellation of even next season's AFLW, um, the way things are tracking at the moment? Yeah, extremely frustrated. Obviously, I was devastated not to have been given the opportunity to play my first game. So first sort of six rounds, I you know, didn't didn't get selected to play. And then um, round seven, I was selected to play GWS in Sydney. Um, we found out Wednesday night at the end of our training that the, um, the season had, in fact, been cancelled due to coronavirus. So I sort of was elated one minute, you know, finding out I was going to be playing that weekend. And then um, obviously the ultimate, you know, rollercoaster ride, I was shattered. Um, to find out that that wouldn't go ahead. So very difficult. It is hard going through um, the selection process. Obviously, you know, some somebody has to miss out every week. Uh, in our instance, it's eight girls miss out every week. It might be through injury or, you know, or performance or just, you know, just that that's the selection process. It, it is what it is. Um, and unfortunately, it's part of playing sport, but it was very hard to deal with. I'm really lucky. I had some really great feedback from the coaches, so I always knew what it was that they expected and what it was that I might have needed to work on um, to give myself the, the best opportunity to be selected for the next week. Um, in our instance, we were lucky. We, we weren't impacted by injury. We had almost 30, all 30 girls available for selection every week. So it's a fantastic place you want to be in as a coach, having to tell a player that they're not selected to play. It's a good problem to have, but on the receiving end, it is challenging. So um, I had, um, you know, a really supportive um, family and friends that I would talk to um, when I wasn't selected each week, debrief with them and, you know, vent if you need to, because yeah, it is really frustrating and really hard. You put so much time um, and energy and effort and blood and sweat and tears and all the cliches into it. And then, you know, you're not getting the reward on the weekend. Um, And in the AFLW space, it's a little bit different. We don't have another competition that you can go and play in or, you know, a seconds team, a reserve team that you can go and play in if, if you don't get selected you don't play at all. So I really haven't played a game of football in, in a long time. So um, I'm itching to, to get out there and pull on the hoops. So. so how do you keep yourself sort of match ready when, when you don't play? Good question. It's really challenging. You just take every opportunity you can um, at trainings. Um, trainings are done at 100%. You know, you're not holding back. There's no training level intensity. It's all done at match, match, match level intensity. It just has to. 
I mean, you are in some respects um, disadvantaged when you do get the opportunity. If it's round three, if it's round four, unfortunately, there's girls out there that have three or four games advantage on you, but you've got to just take the cherry when it's there and um, and run with it. So it, it is challenging to maintain that match level in fitness and intensity. It's just, just is what it is at the moment in 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 the AFW space and where it's at. Um, hopefully, it evolves. Um, so the VFL program runs alongside the AFL program. Um, I know they're doing a lot of work and you know strategic planning for what the next sort of four or five years looks like. And hopefully, it's more of an aligned model, sort of similar to the men's. Have you got any dates, Nick? For obviously, as Lindsay alluded to, we it's it's very uncertain at the moment um, for what's coming, particularly in Victoria. Obviously, have you guys? got dates that you're working towards, even tentative ones, for the season that coming? Yeah, we, we do. So the AFL have committed, um, you know, assuming that um, government restrictions are lifted. Um, the AFL have committed to the pre-season starting um, November 1st um, and then the season starting February 4th, I think it is. But once again, what that looks like in terms of travelling um, interstate um, and those kinds of things, I know that, you know the hub type lifestyle that the men um, are having to endure is off the table, given that it is a, um, a casual job for, for us, a part-time job. And, you know, there's women that have um, children and families and, you know, dependents that they, they can't be away from. So for us, we're not sure what it looks like, but they have committed to those dates at this stage. Yep. Fantastic. And what are you doing between now and then? To make sure that you're cherry ripe when the opportunity does come around. You've got your contract again, obviously. That was recent. Yeah, very lucky. Um, so um, I think I found out two weeks ago. Um, so the sign and trade period was delayed. It's usually in May. Um, and as a result of coronavirus, it was put off until August. So we've all had a pretty long wait um, through the winter to find out if we're recontracted or not. So I was lucky enough to be offered a contract for 2020-21 season uh, upcoming. What does the next few months look like leading up to November? Uh, lots of running. A bit of free advertising for you, Nick. I've been doing um, PT work with uh, with yourself, so that's been fantastic. Um, so I'm really putting heavy focus on trying to um, get a bit stronger and put on a little bit of size so that I'm not as easily sort of pushed off the contest when we do get back into into football. But really, we're doing some Zoom sessions as a, as a football club. So um, our strength and conditioning coach is running uh, a couple of sessions a week that are optional um, if we want to join in and do our um, do our weights as a as a sort of group, which is a which is nice for the motivation because the the old backyard gym, the old fresco style training is getting a little bit old. I'm over it. Yeah, just um, just doing what I can. So lots of running. We're do, I'm sort of doing three or four programs a week. One of them's uh, a long long slow recovery style run, usually 10k's. Um, lots of uh, a fart leg session a sprint session and then another volume session. So it's just trying to get the kilometres in the legs and um, and also doing our, our skills and, and kicking work as well. Sometimes it's just on your own. So you're use, using the goalposts or a tree as a target or anything that you can do is, is worth it in the long run. Uh, the one thing I just wanted to touch on there for everybody listening at home, because you're obviously a very humble person and you've referred to your how lucky you are to be drafted and how lucky you are to be recontracted, et cetera, et cetera. And make no mistake to everybody that does listen that, you know, that uh, uh, Nick is, Nick's success is a product of our hard work. Of course, everyone needs a little bit of luck, but 
uh, you know, I would hazard a guess there's, you know, that you attack everything you do with the mindset of being the hardest worker in the room. Now, not everyone can be, obviously, and not everyone is, but you at least go out there with that goal. And that's what's driven you to where you are. Would you take the humble hat off and say, yep, <laughs> that's, that's spot on. <laughs> I work harder than everyone else. <laughs> I'll try to. I do feel very privileged um, to have the opportunity that I do and that's why I speak the way I do speak in terms of uh, a luck. Um, but no, it isn't luck. Um, it is a lot of hard work and dedication. Um, it's, I do go into every training session um, fighting for a spot in, in a team. That's the mentality I, I, I take. Um, we're all teammates and I, um, I will help my teammate as much as I can. And that's a te- the team first attitude that I've got. But um, by helping them, by pushing myself, I'm helping them as well. And that's the, that's the mentality that I take. So if there's a chance to go harder to ball or harder to tackle, um, it's going to make them better in the long run as, as, as much as it's making me a better better player as well. So uh, well, I know part of the reason for getting drafted to Geelong was my work rate and the intensity that I bring to trainings. And um, it, is a, it is quite a youthful team who have um, had the opportunity to be playing A4W as 18-year-olds. So um, straight away, they've been drafted and bang, they play their first round one, they're, they're just in the team. So the intensity that I bring um, is, is lifting the group to make sure that they keep working for their spot each week in the team. Um, it doesn't just come to you. you. You've got to fight for it. You've got to work for it, work hard and um, and put in the work when it's uh, when it's required. So, uh, yeah, humble hat off, uh, hard worker, football work, whatever it might be. Yeah, give it your everything. Just um, picking up on the luck and the hard work, let's go back a little bit to uh, your days at Casey and uh, you had a major sort of knee injury. How much work did you have to do to, to get you back yourself back um, from that knee injury and how frustrating was it and how difficult is it in the VFL sort of environment where you still got to go and go to work and earn a, earn a living. Um, so it would, make, would have made it hard in terms of the rehab. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So round one, I um, tore my meniscus in my right knee and it took us a little bit of time to work out what had happened. It was not really a, an obvious incident. So we didn't sort of have scans straight away. So it took us about four weeks to get onto it. And then by the time I had surgery, um, it was a much longer recovery as a result. There was just a lot of muscle wastage and I could have come back a lot quicker, but um, the season was pretty much gone. So I played the round one and then I managed to come back and play the last game as well, which was just a bit of uh, icing on the cake for me um, after going through a really long winter rehab and recovery. Um, so that process um, has made me really resilient and I now really appreciate that I get to join in on training sessions um, as, a, as a player that's going through rehab. You, you know, you're still expected to go to every training session. You, you're probably doing more than all the other players. Um, but you're off to the side, you know, you, you feel a little bit isolated from the main training group and it's, that's really challenging. Um, we had a ded- dedicated uh, rehab coach that was working with us um, individually just back um, into match fitness. Um, but you are, yeah, you're in a different space. So that was, that was difficult. The work you have to put in when you're coming back from a knee injury is not often football related you know it's lots of swimming it's lots of cycling it's lots of um stretching and strength exercises and 
um, little little things that you've got to do, and it's the attention to detail that that will get you back quicker. So, yeah, that was a challenging time in in and and it was a season where I think had I've been able to play full season and put my best foot forward on the field, I, I might have been a chance to in the twenty. 18 draft, but it didn't eventuate that way. So um, I was able to put in a good um, a good season on the field in 2019, and was lucky enough to be co-captain at Casey that year as well. So that all really helped me um, for last year's draft. Yeah, I'd just like to ask you about being the co-captain. Like just listening to you talk now, your dedication, the way you train, etc. You've obviously got um, lead by example skills there. But what else do you bring in terms of of, of leadership, both on and off the field? Yeah, um, I think getting to know your teammates and having like a intimate relationship, like knowledge of what is that, what gets the best out of that player. Some players really need to be G'd up before a game. They need lots of music and pumped up and lots of excitement. Other players need to meditate in the corner with their headphones in listening to nature music. And I think having an understanding of what, what makes each player tick um, really helps helps as a leader i know going through pre-season so we do you do a lot of running together you go through a lot of pain together um you know there's good times there's bad times there's injuries there's you know lots of things to celebrate and there's lots of things to cry about as well it's just embracing each moment as it comes and doing doing it together as a team i think i was um one of the better runners at training, um, usually out in front of the pack. And um, I think my coach sort of put into perspective one day, she said, he said, Nick, you don't always have to lead from the front. You don't always have to be at the front of the pack, you know. Um, leading, leading might be dropping back and supporting the players at the, you know, um, at the end of the, the ones that aren't the best at running. They might be the better kickers in the team, but they're not the best runners. So you don't always have to be leading from, from the front. You can do it through encouragement, through use your words and those kinds of things. So um, I got some really good advice from the coaches and the, the other leaders amongst the group as to how to go about um, improving that side of my outside of my game so um but i have really embraced it and i think there's many facets to leadership you know there's leading by example there's leading by heart there's leading by your brain some are really good you know really knowledgeable footballers i'm probably not one of them i'm I'm new to the sport um relatively new i'm sort of a i'm probably a 28 21 year old if that makes sense so um in terms of my experience with football so I think that I lead with my heart and I lead with um, the way I go about it. That leads me to what your, or if you have any plans post footy, post playing anyway. I mean, clearly you talk, you speak about leadership and teamwork with great passion. And so do, do you have designs on going forward with that coaching in footy or whatever else it might be? that life presents? Yeah, um, I haven't considered the coaching pathway just yet. I think I'm enjoying my time as a player a little bit too much to be on the other side of that fence. Um, But certainly outside of football, um, I um, will be joining the police force soon. Um, So I haven't wanted the, the two things to happen at the same time, that being AFLW um, and the Victoria Police um, recruit process. So I've sort of held off on on that to pursue my my sort of dream at the moment. 
Um, so I'll give this season another red hot crack and then um, just sort of see what happens at the end of it. But, but my plan is to um, is to join um, something that I've that I've always wanted to do and I've sort of held off till a little bit later in life. I've got a little bit more life experience and maturity under me now that I feel really confident in going through that process and and it's it's something I'm ready for. So yeah, I'm really lucky to to sort of have two pretty clear passions in life. Um, yeah, fantastic. Well, from my perspective, and I'm sure everybody else who talks to you and gets to know you, I hope that it's a long time before you join the police force and because you're too busy taking the AFLW by storm. So fingers crossed and all the best for that. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, and I think... and. I don't, I don't think I've got anything else, Lindsay, of you. I've... No, I think we just uh, ask some of our standard sort of questions towards the end. Who do you think is going to win the AFL Premiership? Wow, we can't go past Richmond, surely. Uh, that's a really biased answer. I th- okay, okay, I'll rewind. <laughs> the way I ask the question is, excluding Richmond, who do you think is the best chance to win the Premiership? And you should possibly consider who pays your bills here, Nick. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well. <laughs> Uh, Geelong, they are a chance. They're definitely a chance. There's quite a few teams. Port Adelaide are right up there as well. I think um, Geelong are a pretty professional outfit, though. They seem to be coming, coming good at the right end of the season. So, yeah, it could be Geelong. Yeah, they've been, they've been impressive the last few weeks against Port Adelaide and St Kilda, that's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm not going to ask you about the AFLW because I know what your answer, answer will be. So. <laughs> So, so the Geelong Cats for the AFLW Premiership, signed, sealed, delivered. Done. Right, right, right it in stone. <laughs> well, that's it. Um, appreciate your time, Nick. Really enjoyed the chat. Great to get an insight into your career and how it's developed going through baseball, a lot of travel to and from training and games. Maybe you've got a career as a truck driver or something. <laughs> <laughs> something. You like, you, like to, you like to drive a long way anyway. But uh, thanks for your time. Really enjoyed it and and all the best for the 2021 season with the Cats. Uh, Thanks so much. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Nick. And um, yeah, go Hawks.